All right, well, uh, today we're on lesson 13, the last one in our, our quarter. So we're wrapping up uh, what we're calling Theology One, where we've studied bibliology and theology proper. Uh, next quarter, beginning next week, we're into what we're calling Theology Two, continuing the series where we're going to be looking at, again, within the Godhead, we're looking next week, next quarter, at God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So we've laid the foundation for that here in this quarter, but we'll uh, dig in deeper about the, the, uh, the person of the Son of God, his, his uh, works and his uh, role in the Trinity, and then likewise the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I'm on page 93, where everything we've looked at so far in this sequence of lessons on theology proper, that is the doctrine of God, um, is really, it's all true of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, but it makes sense to highlight here today, building on all of that, what we understand uh, about God the Father particularly. And then that will be a good intro to uh, the next quarter. We talk about uh, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, so page 93. The Father is the first person of the Holy Trinity and has all the attributes, perfections, and powers of God. This gets back a little bit uh, when we first started uh, looking at the doctrine of God, uh, where we talked a fair amount about the Trinity, right? The Godhead, three in one. And just, I think, by way of review, where it says here the Father is the first person of the Holy Trinity, in what sense is God a person? Or actually three persons, right? When we say God is the first person of the Trinity, in what sense is he a person? He has personality. He okay. Has, um, you know, character traits. Okay. Emotions. Okay, very good. All those things. Uh, those, those attributes of personality, intellect, emotion, will. Um, and you remember, I, I think I mentioned early on that when we, th when we think of a person, we're usually thinking in terms of a human being, right? And so when we say God, is, or God the Father is a person, doesn't mean that he's a human being. It means that actually the other way around. We are persons because we're made in God's image. God has a personality, and in the sense that God has intellect, emotion, and will, he has given us and created us to have intellect, emotion, and will. To the extent that God is spirit, he's given us a spiritual capacity to um, interact with him, a soul, a spirit. Um, very much unlike anything else in creation, even the animals. You know, they, they have attributes that are characteristic of their species, and they, they operate mostly on instinct. Um, but humans are just in a different category completely, made in God's image. And so we are persons because God is eternally existent in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So that sounds real simple, but of course, as we looked before, the Holy Trinity is something we just can't get our minds completely around, and that shouldn't surprise us. Uh, we can't put God in a box and say, okay, I got you figured out. Um, it's understandable that we, being the created, don't completely understand the creator, but he has revealed a whole lot about himself. And so we wanted to look 
specifically at um, God the Father. So let's begin, I think we'll look at really all of those verses here. Could someone read the very first one there from Luke 10? Who'd like to read that? Pastor Alan, can I ask a quick question? Sure. In that first sentence when it says the Father is the first person, can you comment on the first yeah, we're actually going to get to that in number two, and mostly number two. Number three is, is, is building on it, but um, we usually refer to the Father as the first person in the Trinity, uh, the Son as the second person in the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. Uh, but let me hold off on de- describing how we did it. I don't think there's any scripture reference that refers to them in that order. But uh, I think we'll see when we get to number two that there is some distinctions there. Okay. So can someone read for us Luke 10? Okay, Bob. At that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and intelligent and didst reveal them to babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in thy sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So what are we seeing here? Jesus is praying to the Father, right? He addresses him as Father. In fact, he calls us to address him as Father, right? Um, when they asked Jesus to you know, teach us to pray, what did he say? Pray along these lines. Our Father, right, who art in heaven. Um, and so we see something of the relationship within the Godhead. Um, uh, but we also see um, the father. Do, do you see anything in that passage that indicates some special role of the father as distinct from the son? Because all things have been handed over to me by the father. Okay, so the father handed things over to Christ. What else? Jesus is crediting God the Father with uh, hiding things from wise, revealing them to babes. And, yeah, revealing them. So hiding from some and revealing to others is something that Jesus is saying the Father has done, and he thanks him for that, right? Um, he's... Uh, you'd have to look at the context here a little bit more broadly. Uh, he's not specific in here which things are revealed and which ones are not, but it's pretty clear that um, uh, special revelation is given to specific people. And uh, it's often intended, in fact, pretty much always intended, that it be passed on to others who didn't get the original message um, but um, it's interesting that Jesus said that that was sort of the prerogative of the Father to reveal things, certain things to some people and to hide them from, from others. Um, okay, let's go to the next passage from John 5. Can someone read that? Okay. But he answered them, and my father is working until now. I myself am working <clears throat> for this cause. Therefore, the Jews were seeking all more to kill him because he had, he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus therefore answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do 
nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing and greater works than those will greater work than these will he show him that you may make marvel for just as the father raised the dead and give them life even so the father also give life to whom he wishes for not even the father judge anyone but he has given in all judgment to the Son in order that all may honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. John 5, 17-23. Thank you. So, um, uh, a variety of things here in this uh, passage. Um, do you see some evidence that there's uh, the, the relationship between God the Father and God the Son? What are some things that are true of the Father uniquely here? He gave judgment to the Son. Okay. Right. Also, the Son can't do anything without the Father's permission. Yeah, isn't that, God. Isn't that amazing? It is. Yeah. And you see a, a bit of a hint here of the concept of, of, uh, of God that the Jews had, who Jesus was speaking to. And... Yeah, it says uh, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was also calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They would have had that problem with me. I refer to him as my father, right? Um, Jesus taught us to refer to him as our father in the sense that he's our creator, but also in the sense that he is father God. Right? Um, now, it is true that um, the Jews, th this was um, uh, it was pretty clear that Jesus was making himself equal to God, and the Jews were picking up on that. But just the fact that he was using the word Father um, shouldn't have been all that strange to them. Um, but yeah, you see multiple cases where, where um, the Jews realized that what Jesus was saying was that he was equal with God. You know, before Abraham was, I am, right? And they picked up stones to stone him. <laughs> um, they understood very clearly. Uh, and this is just another, another example of that. Okay, let's look at the third one here. John 5, someone read that? 5.26? Yes. Uh, for just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. That's also amazing, isn't it? Just as the Father has life in himself, what's it speaking of? His self-existence. Right? He didn't derive life from any other source or being or whatever. Uh, the Father has life in himself. Even so, he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. That's the head-scratcher. Um, if Jesus would have said, so also the Son has life in himself, Okay, yeah, that's because he's God. But the fact that the Father gave to the Son also to have life in himself, he's self-existent because the Father got me. It's hard to 
Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, just from reading these couple passages, just how just as there is like an order in that God is above us, right? We worship God, you know, God is above us. It almost seems to be an order in terms of persons too, in that you know, the Father dictates orders. Yeah, but uh, the order here, and I'm sure this is how you mean it, the order is not sequence, but rather hierarchy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's uh, and, and which is getting back to the first, second, and third. We're going to get there in a minute. But, um, um, yeah, so that's a key thing here. This seems to be talking not about sequence, but rather authority. Right. and position within the Godhead, right. which in and of itself is hard to understand, right? right? But um, uh, Jesus is, is very explicit in all these, these uh, conversations about the Father and the Son being um, one, but also distinct and having a hierarchical relationship. And uh, for what it's worth, you know, he created man and woman in his image. Um, there's a very real sense in which God's design for marriage is patterned after his his. Um, his being in the Godhead. So in the Godhead, we have three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all equally God, sharing in all the attributes of God, the, the, uh, um, everything that's true about God is true about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? They're one, there's unity. And yet, there's, distinctness within that unity and there's hierarchy within that unity. Um, and when you get to marriage, God created marriage for the two to become one and yet there's hierarchy within that unit. Now, personally, I'm glad that the marriage is two and not three, but um, <laughs> you kind of get the sense that, that it's patterned after God's own being, right? Um, yeah. Yes, I just wanted to add, I, I, excuse me for that, but that third one really got me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Pastor Allen, I, I, I think when you think on the Bible, which I call the book of life, God starts off in Genesis telling us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, giving us somewhat insight mm -hmm. as to where we're going to be as we go through the Bible. We're going to run into it again. So we won't be ignorant of the part, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, yes, the Father is over the Son. But as you can go to Genesis, they were all here working together at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, this, this book is self-explanatory. But there's still, still a lot of mystery that, is. That, that is not, by God's, by God's choice, isn't spelled out for us because we probably wouldn't understand it anyway. Right. Right, but he's given us a whole lot, yes. and you can rest assured it's it's what we needed to know, yes. even though we may have questions. Um, you know, you you you've probably thought, and you've heard other people thought. You know, I'm going to ask God that question when I get to heaven. My guess is that's not where our mind's going to be at when we get to heaven. <laughs> it's not going to matter, or it's going to be painfully obvious. Yeah. Anyway. Um, that does show also, though, the, the role of um, faith, but faith that's grounded in truth. God has revealed his truth, um, uh, but we have to approach it in faith. And it's not a blind faith because he's, look at all he's revealed to us, right? Um, 
But the very nature of God um, is patterned in his design for marriage. So there are two who become one, and um, there's uniquenesses there, but there's complete equality in terms of standing before God, being uh, image bearers of God. Um, but by God's design, he created order, which includes hierarchy. And we'll probably get to this when we get next quarter, when we talk about uh, man. But um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it earlier, but you know where, where scripture uh, teaches that the, the wife is to submit to her husband is a really hard pill for a lot of people to swallow, a lot of women particularly these days. And I can understand that. But the reason they have it, have it, it it's a hard thing for them to swallow is they presume that that hierarchy of, of submission and headship means that the wife is inferior to the husband. But that can't be true because we know that Jesus is not inferior to the Father. That's heresy. They have different roles. There is a hierarchy. There's order even within the Godhead. Um, and as we're seeing here, there's some things that the Father has done out of his prerogative that um, uh, God the Son, and we'll see later, God the Spirit, uh, cooperate with and fall in with, and, and it's all coordinated. They're completely equal, but there are different roles. And likewise in marriage, completely equal, but they have different roles by God's design. And the fact that that, that marriage relationship was intended by God to be a, something of a testimony of his very nature is mind-boggling, but rather cool. Okay, let's go to the next one, John 5, 36 and 37. Diane? But the witness which I have is greater than that of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me, he has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. Okay, so again, what are we seeing about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son here? What are some things Jesus is, is um, pointing out? The Father sent the Son. The Father sent the Son. You remember John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten Son, right? And Jesus builds on that here. So he sent the Son, what else? He's given him works to accomplish. Given him works to accomplish, which he was doing faithfully, obediently, right? Um, Uh, born witness of him as well. So you begin to see here um, the hierarchy being discussed, right? Where there's God the Father who is um, sending Jesus. Uh, Jesus is submitting to the Father here in being sent and accomplishing those works and that purpose. Let's go to the next one. John 5 is, is uh, uh, big on this. Let's, uh, John 5, 43, can someone read that? I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another shall come in his own name, you will receive him. Jesus came in his Father's name, which means what? Repres representing the Father, okay. He's sent by the Father, he's representing him, sure. Um, also, like, in obedience to the Father, too. Mm -hmm. 
That definitely is obedience. And then in John 17, he's praying. Someone read that? Okay. No, go ahead. These things Jesus spoke, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that the Son may glorify thee, even as thou gavest him authority over all mankind, that is to all whom thou hast given him. He may give eternal life. And this is the eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I glorify thee on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do. And now glorify thou me together with thyself, Father, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Yeah, there's actually a lot there, but in terms of our context, relationship between the Father and the Son, any other insights here? All work that Jesus did was to glorify his Father in obedience. Okay, definitely. God gave um, Jesus authority. Gave him authority? Yeah. yeah. We see that elsewhere, like in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, right? Well, his son was with the Father and glory before the world even was. So they were um, pre-existent, self-existent, before anything was created. Good. Together, in glory. So you see both the unity here and the hierarchy, don't you? Yeah. Okay. So let's go to number two. He is designated as father to show both his relationship in the Holy Trinity and his relationship to mankind. The relationship he has within the Trinity of God is not one of superiority in essence, Rather, he is father according to his role and function within the Godhead. And we've already seen some of that in these passages, right? Um, the relationship of God the Father and God the Son. Um, uh, neither is superior or inferior in essence, in Godhood, deity, but there's hierarchy. There's um, authority. There's order and cooperation, and so on. So, it's interesting that a lot of these passages are coming from John, but let's look at John 10, 29-30. Can someone read that? Diane? My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So when he says them, who's it referring to? Believers. Believers, right. Father has given them to me, and he is greater than all. Greater in what sense? Is he more God than the Son? No, they're equal in deity, in all the attributes of deity, but greater in the sense of role. He's the one sending Christ. He's the one who's giving the uh, people who will be believers to Christ. Right? That's what he's saying here. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Um, actually, if, if you read the previous verse, it says that uh, he's talking about his sheep and, and, and so on, and that um, he's holding... Does anyone have that actually open in the Bible? I'm not sure I can quote it. John 10, 28. John 10, 28. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Right, so he's referring to those who come to believe in Christ. Uh, they're his sheep. Uh, he gives eternal life to them. How long does eternal last? A long time. 
forever, <laughs> a long time, right? Uh, and no one will snatch them out of my hand, he says. And the Father who is greater than I, who has um, given them to me, and no one will snatch them out of the Father's hand. So what you've got is, is if we're in Christ's hand and then the Father's hand is there, um, people have referred to that as a double hand clasp. Right? That uh, we're in Jesus' hand, uh, we're in the Father's hand. Uh, it's not a picture of us holding on for dear life, but rather what? Them holding us on for eternal life. Right? Holding on to us. Um, and then he says, I and the Father are one. Very explicit. It's not just one purpose. Um, it's not just one activity, salvation, but it's one in every sense. There's complete unity between the Father and the Son, and yet different roles. Um, okay, so the next one we already read. Let's go to the bold one on page 94. Four. Second Corinthians one three. Someone read that. Bob. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercies and God of all comfort. So, um, what's it mean that God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Does that mean that Christ had um, a father and a mother, and um, he was um, came into being that way? Absolutely not. Right? We know that from the breadth of Scripture. Um, but his, his role as father, uh, who no one has seen, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who we have seen, or at least not we, but people did, um, and Jesus even said, he who has seen the father, or he who has seen me has seen the father, right? And Jesus came to reveal the Father. Uh, we're going to learn more next quarter about Jesus' role as um, the promised prophet where uh, he came to reveal the Father and uh, that he did. So it was the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. So in the first part there, it's referring to the relationship within the Godhead. But the second part, what's that referring to? Deity, but his relationship with us, right? Father of mercies, God of all comfort. We come to him as our Abba Father, right? That relationship that we have with him. Um, okay, and... Um, Let's read the next one, Ephesians 1, 3. Someone take that? Okay, Ayo. Blessed be the Father, the, blessed be the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1, Yeah. So, the same term. Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you might think the same human author wrote those two verses, right? Turns out he did. Um, but he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God our Father. Right? Uh, Ephesians 3.14 For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. So it's um, it's, it's legitimate for us re to refer to him as our Father. Jesus taught us to, and of course, to worship him. Uh, Colossians 1.3, someone read that? 
We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Colossians 1, 3. Right, so we bow our knees and worship. We give thanks to him, praying uh, for others. 1 John 1, 2. And the light was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. 1 John 1, 2. Right. So, eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So, uh, back in, in John 17, in the high priestly prayer, Jesus said, and, and this is life that they what? That they know you, the Father, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So eternal life is knowing God in a an intimate relationship with God, not just knowing about him. It's having relationship. Just as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit had eternally had that relationship. That's eternal life. That's life. Um, and that life was manifest. It was made evident to us. How? By Jesus coming and living among us, teaching us, making it possible for us to have relationship, uh, to restore man's relationship back to God, right? Um, okay, and then before we kind of tidy up this question about the order within the, the, the hierarchy within the Trinity, let's go ahead and do number three here. In the Holy Trinity, the Father is of none neither begotten nor proceeding. So when it says the Father is of none, what's that mean? But that's true also of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Already pre-existent. Nobody made Jesus. Nobody made the Holy Spirit. Trinity means all in one. All in one. Yeah, three in one. Um, so it is true that both God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are of none also, in the sense that they weren't created, the self-existent, right? That's true of the Father. However, in his case, he's neither begotten nor proceeding. So... Well, let's take a look at some of these passages here. Uh, Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the Holy Spirit is given by the Father. Right? John five nineteen. Jesus therefore answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. So there's a, again, this hierarchy between the Father and the Son. Uh, we read John 10.29 earlier. But look at in the bold there, 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. There's a lot that they share, the Father and the Son, but there's... A nuance to their different roles, in, particularly in their relationship to us, and even with each other. Um, I don't have a note here about the actual verse that Jesus, I think it was Jesus who specifically said, um, 
maybe it was Paul, that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. What we do see, and we're going to get that when we study the Holy Spirit and, and actually the Son next quarter, is that, as we've already touched on today, the Son was sent by the Father. Right? As we look at what Jesus said multiple places, particularly in the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit would be, and he was speaking of the near future, Jesus was, the Holy Spirit will be sent by the Father, but also, Jesus said, whom, um, because how he, how he actually worded it, but it's clear that he is sent also by the Son. Proceeds, Holy Spirit proceeds from, in other words, just sent from, um, both the Father and the Son. Uh, there's no reference to Jesus being sent by the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's always from the Father. And so you begin to see, in terms of the sending and the roles, that um, the Father who is always doing the sending, but in the case of the Holy Spirit, uh, it's both the Father and the Son who were sending the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit proceeding from them to do his role even amongst us and in us and, and so on. And so that sending and, and going and proceeding uh, and those verses about who's doing the sending give us some insight as to the hierarchy. It's not just God the Father and um, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are sort of um, of equal rank, if, if that's the right word to use. It's probably not. Um, interchangeable? They're not, certainly not interchangeable in, with respect to role. In fact, Jesus said, it's far better for you that I go that the Holy Spirit would come, right? Um, for a number of reasons, but that's how we get this first person of the Trinity, he's the one who sends, and they um, um, submit uh, to him. God the Son is sent by the Father, he submits to the Father. God the Holy Spirit is sent by God the Father, God the Son. God the Holy Spirit uh, his one of his roles here is to glorify the Son, right? Uh, so different roles, but also in the hierarchy, they're they're um, uh, they have just unique relationship, and and uh, it doesn't mean that any is inferior or superior to the others in an uh, in a in terms of their essence, their divinity but just different roles. So that, uh, let's see if I have the note here, because on page 95 in our homework, the very first question is, what unique roles belong to God the Father <clears throat> as opposed to the Son and the Holy Spirit? Um, and that's what we've been talking about. But there's some others as well. Did anybody have a chance to identify any of those unique roles that Scripture teaches belong to the Father? And bringing to their remembrance things that Christ had taught them and, and so on, revealing, right? Okay. It's, it's, just, it's, um, it's just amazing how... He said no one would enter into the kingdom unless they come through him. Mm -hmm. So the Father gave him, through him, a lot of power too uh, to be able to enter, uh, to be able to say what he said. And um, I understand the part that the Son could do nothing without the Father. They had to like be together 
in everything. But um, I'll think of my other yeah. <laughs> And that brings to mind also what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before you know, he went to his trial and death. Um, not my will, but thine be done. Which is a good example for us to follow, right? So are there some roles that belong to the Father according to Scripture that we haven't touched on? Yeah. Do you remember a passage on that? Um, yeah, I think Matthew twenty four thirty six <clears throat> is a good one there, and the parallel passage in Mark thirteen thirty two. That not even Christ knows the time of his return, and. Uh, the disciples in, in Acts 1-7 were asking him, you know, so is this the time? <laughs> and Jesus corrects them and says, well, no, it's not for you to know the, the, the times. Um, but in these other passages, he says, only the Father knows. Anything else that uh, is true only of the Father? Yeah, you know, I think there are also passages that speak of it being um, a work of the Holy Spirit. I think they were all, it's kind of like creation, they were all in, involved. Okay. But, um, That's also kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to. <clears throat> look to find the actual verses, but it um, speaks uh, particularly of the, the, the power. Um, it's not that the Father doesn't, uh, that the Holy Spirit doesn't have power that the Father doesn't have, mm -hmm. but the, the, the role of the Holy Spirit there is, is, um, is evidence of God's power. Yeah. Any other thoughts uh, that we haven't covered yet? Father is the only one that is the, the lawmaker. Of, he sets all the, the ground rules of what we are to do or not. You know, he established it in, when the, in, in the Old Testament with the, um, the tablet. Mm -hmm. So, um, Yahweh. Um, yeah, yeah, lawgiver. I'm just trying to think of distinctions there that are yeah. that are. Um, yeah, I know Jesus in in the Sermon on the Mount said, "You have heard it said," and sometimes he's quoting scripture, sometimes he's just right. quoting uh, yeah. common. Um, teachings but then he says but I say to you and it was clear to his hearers mm -hmm. at the end of Matthew 7 that he they marveled because he spoke as not like their scribes but as one having authority in and of himself mm -hmm. uh, which of course he did but did he also speak like that because his father gave him authority. Yeah, because elsewhere we're seeing that uh, he doesn't say anything unless the father, uh, or it doesn't do anything either. Right. So, um, yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all together, right? Exactly. Yeah. I know you're trying to round it up. No, we got time. Go ahead, Mother. I wanted to ask when Moses went up there. I'm still trying to figure out why Moses told God he doesn't speak well when he told him to do what he did, but that's a whole other thing. But um, he went up there, uh, Moses, God summoned, the Father summoned Moses up there on that mountain when he wrote those Ten Commandments in stone with fire. So 
when Moses came down and broke it on the mountain, he had to, did he make Moses write the Ten Commandments at this time? He said, I didn't think so. Someone said that, but you know, I'm not a person that will argue God's word. I say one thing, then I leave it. But the thing is that God wrote that Ten Commandments all over again because he said down below was definite people. And I just, are we, I feel sometimes we are like that because we like a see lot what of God times do we're like for that. us, including myself. I'm in the front of the line. God do for us every day, our heart beat only because he allowed it. But, but, we, we got something up in the brain that don't connect sometimes and we think we're doing everything ourselves and we're not. Uh, when we wait, he is the lifter of our head. And Psalm 3 says it. But the thing is that, um, you know, we see things happening in the world today that sadden us as, as, as walking with Christ Christians. But we got, we, we fail to understand that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is still, you know, the Father is still doing everything. It's still working in, in invisible, where we don't see what he's doing, but he's working it all out for his glory. And um, sometimes I want to kick myself because even though I know these things, I have this downfall. I mean, tears come to my eyes because I see. But he bring me back knowing that I'm walking in faith and not by sight. It took me when I was very young a long time to understand when he said we are to walk by faith and not by sight because what we see will drive us up a wall. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yep. It's, it's amazing. We have amazing grace. Yep. And I see it every day. Yep. And that's why I say God been better to me than I've been to myself. Amen to that. You know, All of us. I didn't mean to take us too much. No, no, you're, you're, you're right on, Diane. So this is loosely connected to what we've been talking about, but when people started bringing up the Ten Commandments, it made me think of the third one, how we're not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain. And one of the things that people most often think about is like cursing or just using the Lord's name flippantly. But going back to John 5, 3, I have come in my Father's name, meaning Jesus is representing the Father. We as Christians are supposed to represent him as well. So when we are doing things that are contrary to his nature, when we are doing things that bring reproach on to the Lord, we are in fact breaking that commandment because we're taking his name in vain. We're not representing him as we should. Yeah. And it's, it's so easy to um, do what comes natural and then later realize <clears throat> that wasn't very God-honoring, right? Um, and that's an offense to God. Um, it doesn't represent him. Correctly. Yeah. Pastor Allen, uh, yeah. I was thinking of another distinct role. I think often when we hear words like he chose us or predestination seems to be tied to him. Mm -hmm. The Father directly. I'm in Ephesians 1 3. Right. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. So there seems to be a very distinct focus on the Father in that case. Yeah, and that's consistent with John 10, 
where uh, 29 and 30, where Jesus says, I think we looked at this, um, um, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him, right? But then there's also in John 5, 17, 23, uh, the Son gives life to whom he wishes. So there does seem to be some mutual work there. Like, Father still definitely has authority, but... Yep. It's hard to, to, to um, distinguish. Uh, we think very, or, uh, sort of natural to us, I think, to think in categories. But um, complete equality and yet difference in roles starts to challenge our ability to categorize. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty clear that the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20 that's the father on his throne judging the unsaved um, last couple of weeks we've been talking about providence and uh, that's largely a role of God the father his providence his his uh, <clears throat> Choices that accomplish his sovereign will and his goodness toward us. All right, well, let's go to the application questions here on page 95. What is the significance in your life of the truth that God is our Father? Not just the Father of Christ in the, in the Godhead sense, but that we're able to call him Father. What's, what's the significance of that in terms of a practical, everyday, what's it mean to my life? I can have a relationship with him and love him and trust him and then also obey him and um, believe that he's going to accomplish all that he's promised. Yeah, there's a lot in that. Right? I mean, um, what, what is the mental image we have of God being our father? Our, our human father. We have a, something of a picture. So we derive our existence from our father. Uh, that's something that's true of us. It's not true of Jesus. Um, but he, as a father, he, you know, we can address him, Abba, Daddy father and he uh, leads us he comforts us he chastises us when we need it uh, one of the passages I, I really like is Hebrews 12 4 through 11 where um, the writer there says you're all familiar with how your own human father um, corrected you why? Because he loved you, right? He wants the best for you. And how much more, then, ought we to see that that's what God does for us um, more generally, spiritually, and, and so on? And it's because he loves us. Yeah. I just wanted to add to that point is that not only you know, do we have an ultimate purpose in life to glorify God, right? I think when we say that, you know, our purpose is to glorify and to worship him and to worship God, that can sometimes feel almost a little cold and far out because God is so far above us, you know, we just have to make sure we worship and please him. But the fact that you have the fatherly aspect to it, it brings yeah. it a little closer very much to so. home and that that purpose is very close to us, not just some far off being that we, you know, bow down to, right? Yeah. But he's your father. Or even if he's not far off, you know, you can picture like a uh, um, an earthly king or someone, someone might bow down to them in, in respect and maybe even fear, but there's no relationship there. Right. But with God, yes, we have respect, we have uh, awe, fear, but relationship, love. That holy dimension. And he knows us, right? Like a father would know us, even better. And he's inviting us to know him and, and its relationship. 
So that's, um, that's huge. Now, a lot of people, um, unfortunately, don't have that kind of mental image of their own human father. Maybe he wasn't even there. Or maybe, you know, uh, he died while they were young, or could be whatever. But on the one hand, coming to a relationship with God and having that relationship with a heavenly father uh, is, is so much better. And it's kind of healing the fact that they didn't have a human father uh, of that sort. Um, those of us who have had human fathers throughout as we're growing up um, can see some parallels here and we can, we can sort of relate to what Corinne was saying in terms of the, the relationship with the Father and his care for us. Um, but it also drives us, it, it's very clear to us that our, our earthly father, our relationship with him, kind of pales by comparison, right, with the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father. Um, so both are true. Okay, how should we apply Romans 8.15 where it says, you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. What's a good application of that? Amen. It's not a relationship of uh, a slave the way we normally think of slavery. Uh, even though scripture is very clear that we are owned by God. He's purchased us. We're his servants, his slaves. Um, but not in the human sense. And primarily because, in a human sense, what can be said of a human master? Well, um, it, most of them who own slaves probably would be cruel. Probably not universally so, but most of them. Um, and even if they're not outright cruel, they're also, but they're self-interested. You know, you're here, I've got you to do what I want you to do kind of a thing. Property and all that. And because they're human, because they're um, not God, uh, they, they're sinners like the rest of us, right? But with God, everything he does is good. Everything he does is right. Who wouldn't want to serve someone like that, right? Um, but it's, it's not just as it's, we're both... Slaves and sons, according to scripture. Sons and daughters, right? We're children of God. Um, we have that relationship with him. Um, that's not a, a relationship of equals, right? He's our master. He's our God, our creator. We, we love him. We go to him with our cares and concerns. We serve him. Uh, we need to obey him. But fortunately, everything he commands us is good and right. And um, it's not only for his glory, but even for our benefit, even if we don't completely understand it while it's happening. Um, yeah, I'll do it. I, I'm thinking on Psalm 139, and it's so clear that he knows our up, our going, yep. our everything about us, right. inside and outside. 
Right. From head to toe. And if anyone ever get discouraged, go to that verse. Yep. So God can tell them what he knows. Yep. And that that if we didn't know God was good, that could be scary. Yeah. But since we know he is good, it's comforting. Very good. And we can also know that he only wants what's best for us. And that's, that's mind-blowing right there. I right. Mean, who can you go to be sure that they only want what's best for them? I mean, you know. It might not be what we yeah. think we want and need, mm-hmm. but it's what he knows we need. That's right. Yeah. That's the good part. Well, let's uh, wrap up. Um, let's uh, close in prayer.